It's uh, one of the scriptures that we're using, and in, in, uh, I think it's in Luke 15, is uh, the prodigal son coming home, <laughs> come home running. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to use that a little later. But uh, the scripture text today is in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. And um, uh, also we're reading from the King James and also from the Message Bible. And Jose had a good question in um, Sunday school. Why is the Message Bible so different? You know, and um, when you read the Message Bible, it's more of a, an explanation. It is more, look. I guess it's looking at the terms and uh, the terms that are given in the Greek and then being able to interpret that, translate it into uh, English. And it's interesting, um, I know I've said this before, the contemporary English, no, C-E-V? C-E-V? Yeah, contemporary English version, Jenny's dad was the interpreter of that, translator of that. Uh, David and Jenny, my, my daughter-in-law, her dad interpreted from the, from the Greek into um, Aramaic, Greek into uh, Aramaic into uh, English. And the CEV, he's the sole interpreter of the New Testament uh, for the American Bible Society on that version of the Bible. And so, uh, you know, I've spoken briefly to him about that, and he says, you know, you're looking at you're looking at the Greek and then you're trying to understand what the intent of the writer was and the inspiration. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. So the, what the, ins, the inspiration that was behind the word that was used, the setting that was used, and how that, that fits into the setting today and how that those words are parallel that in the English. So that's why we have different versions of the Bible uh, but it still goes back to the intent is still the same. If you look at the King James and then read the King James then read the message or read any of the other ones, you see the intent of what was said and how it was translated and how that these uh, can fit into our reading schedule. So if you um, are in your Bible apps, if you're looking at it and uh, putting it together that we were just talking about, you can read different versions, and sometimes they even put the two versions on the same, on the same page. So anyhow, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. <clears throat> and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. If we put that into the Message Bible, it says in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8 through 11, it goes... God can pour out the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything. More than just ready to do what needs to be done, as one of the psalmists put it, he throws caution to the winds, giving the needy in reckless abandon, his right-living, right-giving ways never run out, never wear out. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you cannot, you can, he gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. Wow. So, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. It's important... Can I move these? <laughs> They're, um, I want to give them away, but somebody else can take them home. <laughs> I can't breathe. <clears throat> I can't breathe. 
Uh, so, <laughs> I can't breathe with the flowers right there. They're kind of hurting me. Um, I was going to, as we look at those scriptures, we want to define a, a couple of terms, grace and mercy. It's important that, that we understand, uh, have a knowledge of what grace and mercy is. It's something that we use interchangeably, but grace is unmerited favor, divine favor, kindness towards us, means that when God is gracious towards us, um, he doesn't look at our faults, he sees what he can give to us, impart to our life. So he looks beyond our faults and he sees our need. The need that we have is for his love, his forgiveness, and so on to be in our life. And mercy is compassion and generosity. This is where we would say that God would give us his gifts, give us um, what we need in order to function, in order to live, power, presence, uh, gifts of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit growing in our lives. So grace is that God looks at us and is not uh, preoccupied with what's wrong with us. He's not preoccupied with your faults. He sees how we can be forgiven and changed. And in grace, or excuse me, in mercy is compassion and generosity, what he will give us in our lives. So both of these are uh, part of uh, what God is doing. It's part of his nature, his character. He is grace and mercy. He is love and kindness. He is long-suffering and steadfast. But today we're just looking at he is gracious and merciful. So he is gracious. We deserve punishment for our sin, but what does God do? He paid the price for our sin. You know, moving through last week with uh, Good Friday and the death of Christ upon the cross and the resurrection. He paid the price for our sin. And we cannot earn his grace. We cannot earn his forgiveness. We cannot be good enough to be forgiven. If we were able to earn these things, it would be something that God is paying us. It would be like doing a job and being paid for it. Well, the graciousness and the mercy that we receive from God is that he gives it to us because that is his character, not that we are deserving. So mercy, the generous compassion, and everything we need to live out the Christian life, and how that we have these gifts in our lives, and they are gifts to us that are generously imparted. It's important that we know God wants to give us these things. Why? Why would God want to forgive us? Why would God want to impart his gifts to us? Why? Well, the motivation of God is he loves us. He created us. He created us with a purpose. Our life is more than what we, you know, uh, and what we have and what we do. Our life in a spiritual realm is more than anything that we can accomplish in the physical realm. If we, were, we live a whole life, what should it gain to man if he, if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? What would it profit us if we would had all wisdom and all knowledge and, and, and great gifts and great abilities and great wealth and lose our soul? It means we've lost everything. So our life is, has a value that is greater than the accumulation of things. And the power of God in our life is to overcome evil, overcome our old nature, overcome those things that would cause us to become like well, destructive, hateful, vengeful, um, get even, steal, kill, destroy. 
Those characteristics, they're part of who we are. They're, they're part of our own nature. And the nature of God is love and forgiveness, grace and mercy, letting go of the, the things that would destroy us, and that we were able to forgive and, and able to go on with our life, seeing that there is a greater purpose. We know that there is eternal life, and then when this life is over, we go to heaven. We have an eternal reward. So there is not only God working in my life here and now, there is God working in my life here and now, and it continues to build and for that eternal home. Verse 8 in the message says, God can pour on the blessings in astounding ways so that you, you're ready for anything and everything. God can pour on the blessing in astonishing ways. Is it astonishing? or Yeah, astonishing, not astounding. He, he pours on his blessings in astonishing ways so that you can be ready for anything and everything. In the King James it says, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. God is able to make. That terminology sounds like it is futuristic. It is something that we will have in the future. But in actuality, that word is a present tense active word. God continuously enabling, enabling all grace, all favor to abound toward you, abundance toward you. So that whenever we're saying God can give, can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you are ready for anything and everything, it's saying that God is at work in our life to prepare us for anything that comes at us. Well, I wish I knew what was going to happen tomorrow. Well, it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. Well, I wish I knew what was going to happen this afternoon. It doesn't matter what happens this afternoon. Because God is giving to us in, in astonishing ways everything that we have need of to continue to deal with life in a healing way. Because our future is in front of us, not behind us. That's why forgiveness is so important. That we are forgiven is that we let go of our past. We let go of our sins. We forgive them. We, let it, we forgive ourselves. We forgive others. We go on because our future is in front of us. Life is about living, not about reliving. <laughs> reliving, rehashing. See? Now, it is a present tense. God continuously enabling all grace all favor to abound toward you. So it is continuously. Everybody say continuously. And it is abounding. So that means it's ongoing and in its abundance. God is giving to us in an ongoing, abundant fashion. God is continually enabling all grace to abound towards me. God is continually abounding abundance given into our life. So God has an abundance that is coming towards us. Now the verse goes on, verse 8, that you always having all sufficiency. So here we have, we have a continuous abounding sufficiency. Wow. Continuous abounding sufficiency. <laughs> this word sufficiency can be interpreted as extravagance. Extravagance. <laughs> uh, 
what it says in, uh, in the Message Bible, I think it's verse 10, verse 11. This most gracious God, who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals, is more than extravagant. He's more than extravagant with you. Wow. We have all sufficiency. We have more than extravagance. He gives you something you can then give away. Which grows into a full-formed lives. That what God is giving to us in extravagant ways is about how that we are going to give our life in service to him and others and is going to be robust in God, wealthy in every way so that you can be generous in every way, wealthy in every way and generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. More than extravagant. God is giving to us more than extravagance. Wow. Now, the negative side of extravagance is I, me, mine, myself. This belongs to me, don't touch it. I own it, I'll build a fence around it. <laughs> you know, um, I have it, you can't. You don't agree with me, I'm going to take my marbles and go home. <laughs> That's not the extravagance. God does not give into our life so that we would be hoarders. Well, you know, like the, the rich man who said, <clears throat> well, God has blessed me so much, uh, all my barns are full, what are you going to do with them? Well, I want to tear down these barns and build bigger barns. And Jesus says, you fool, this night, the, your, your, your life is going to be required of you. You're over, you're done, you're out of here. You've missed the whole purpose of your life. You see, the idea is, in, in all of this giving and gifting and, and extravagance, is that, God will pour out blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything. You're ready for anything that comes at your life and more than just ready to do, more than just ready to do what needs to be done. More than just ready to do what needs to be done. Extravagance. It's going over the top. It's giving more than what is expected. Giving more than what is needed. You see, God is the God... Is, God of enough is the God of more than enough. God doesn't just give to our lives enough. You know, Brad used to say, um, it's not only good, it's good enough. <laughs> I used to like that. It's not only good, it's just good enough, you know. It's like, yes, that's, that's not, he was kidding, you know. That's, that's good enough, you know. What's not, God gives into our life not just enough, he is more than enough. More than enough. The God of enough is the God of more than enough. He's the God of extravagance. And the divine provision has no limits. Here we are, we're tapped into the divine resources of God. There are no limitations on what God can give. No limitations upon what God can give. The limitations come from me. How much of God's goodness and graciousness can I handle without it being I mean and mine and that I'm worried about losing it and I'm, I'm frustrated over people who don't give me enough and that people are only after me to get what they can give for me because I have and they don't. 
See, that extravagant, God, forget it, you're not going to get the extravagance. We're not going to be able to handle it in our life. We're not going to be able to handle it because we are looking at it from building bigger barns. You know, the mega millions? <laughs> well, we'll give a little bit to God and we'll, give, we'll blow the rest on ourselves. <laughs> That's the negative side of extravagance. Me, mine, my lifestyle, my need, and so on. See, if we're preparing a meal for five, or you're preparing a meal for a hundred, is there a difference? Now, if you prepared for a hundred and five showed up, that would be extravagant. <laughs> so what would you do with it? You would give it away. You see, the Message Bible says, he throws caution to the wind. So whenever we're looking at this and the extravagance of God, now, and I'm not doing this so that we come out here and we'll say, well, you know, when we leave church today, God's just going to bless me out of my socks. <laughs> I'm going to get under the fountain where the, where the river flows out, the glory of God flows, you know. I'm going, to, I'm going to have all this wealth in my life, and it's, no, it isn't about me. It's about God working through me. If I have all this and I don't, and I don't know how to handle it, it's more of a curse than a blessing. I need to know how to deal with the gifts I've already got. You see, we already have enough. We already have more than enough in our life. It's just what we use it for and how we see it and how we view it. We'll talk about that in a minute. But the Message Bible says here that he throws caution to the wind. God throws caution to the wind giving to the needy in a reckless abandonment. God is, God is reckless in what he gives to you. My goodness. His right living and his right giving ways never run out, and they never wear out. God's right giving, right living, right attitude towards us, it never wears out. God's just like, here, shovel this into your life. I want to dump all this stuff onto your life, all these blessings, all this generousness, all this graciousness. We're saying, oh, I've had enough, Lord. You know, don't bless me too much. I don't deserve all of this, you know. Besides, did I ever tell you a story? I probably did. Anyhow, I'm old now, I'm 62. I've, you know, got whatever I got, you know. I can't remember what I said. But anyhow, this story, <laughs> blame it on that. Don't, no, I am young, I am handsome, I got hair on the side of my face. But <laughs> you got to say what you want, not say what you don't want. This lady, I remember visiting her, she'd come to church about once every four weeks. And this is the church way back, you know, 40 years ago. She'd come to church every, about once every four weeks, and I went in and I sit down and I said, you know, why don't you come every week? Why don't you come every week? And she said, well, you know, the Bible says we're going to be judged for what we know. And I don't want to know too much. True story. And I says, lady, you already know too much. <laughs> so we're here, we're saying, you know, we don't want to, we, we block what God wants to do in our life because we don't know how to handle it. There are opportunities that are presenting themselves to us and we don't see them. And I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of that sometimes. Maybe many times of not seeing what God wants to do in our life and it's passing, it's right there in front of us. And we don't see it. We don't have eyes to see it or to understand it. It's, it's disguised as a problem. <laughs> and we say, I don't want that. 
But it may be that very problem that opens up, opens up the opportunity for us to give what we have. See, the God of sufficiency is that we have the ability, it's already in there. It's in us. The, what, what we need, when God abides within us, his love, we're able to love the unlovable. You don't know how unlovable some people are, preacher. <laughs> and I can't love them. But you see, God in you can. <laughs> so, what is needed in our lives that we may abound to every good work? What do we lack that keeps us from every good work? You see, the good work Acts designed specifically for the benefit of others. If God is going to be gracious in abounding and giving to us, we have to have an outlet. We can't have a massive dam that's there and we're just filled to the brink, to the brim with this massive reservoir and we got a little trinkly stream going out to the desert. It isn't that type of a life. God has a life. He wants to bless us. Well, what if it don't rain? We won't get the stream flowing again. Forget it. Give what you've got and, and use what you have in service. We see acts designed specifically for the benefit of others, doing good unto others. It doesn't say sell everything you have and give to the poor. But Jesus told the, the disciples, you don't do it that way. You see, that's the wrong understanding of the sufficiency and the graciousness of God and the abundance of God that he's placed in our hands. He doesn't want us to sell everything and give it away. But we were responsible to give what we have to the needy that are presented in front of us and to the needs that are presented in front of us. And sometimes we are presented with a need of somebody in Africa. Well, guess what? We have connections. <laughs> we belong to a church, a denomination that, are, that we can give to the needy in Africa. We can give to the needy in El Salvador. <laughs> we can help people that don't have homes. We can help people that are in tornadoes and whatever through, through, the, uh, through our disaster relief fund from the assemblies. One of the things that, for our denomination, for this denomination, 90, it's either 94 cents or 96 cents out of every dollar goes to the relief. The highest giving of any organization on the planet. You know some of those things that you see on TV? Sometimes 30 cents out of every dollar gets to where you want it to. They have to pay for advertising, they have to pay for executives, they have to pay for, the, for us, for their denomination. The missionaries have to supply their own monies. Like when we have missionaries that come through and we support every month the missions, those missionaries have their needs met through all the churches and so on, giving to them individually. Then when we give to the needy, that it's just like if you put a dollar in the offering, we send it to Springfield for those missionaries or those people that are, are, are in need. The people who are distributing it have to have their own salary met in another way. So basically administration is anywhere from four to six cents out of every dollar. So when we give to Joplin last year in that disaster, 94 cents out of every dollar made it to the people in Joplin. We give needy in Africa, the hunger, 94 cents out of every dollar gets to the needy in Africa. We're the highest denomination, highest 
organization that does that. So you see, what we see as a need, sometimes we have the ability to meet that need. Maybe not by going there ourselves, but by helping others. And you see, and what we're doing then is allowing the graciousness that God has bestowed and the mercy and the abundance that God has put in our lives, we are allowing it to funnel through us to touch the lives of others. Sometimes we'll never even see or know them. But in eternity, they'll know you. You see, grace, do you, you ever hear the expression, we deserve one thing and God gives us another? Excuse me. That's grace and mercy. We deserve one thing, grace. We deserve punishment for our sin. His grace forgives us. He gives us another, that's mercy. You see, we believe this whenever we live it. Here's here's an illustration. How many ever, you know, how many have ever tipped at a restaurant? All right. Um, You don't have to raise your hand on this one. Have you ever tipped when the person and the food didn't merit it? (laughs) Okay? That's grace and mercy. Grace is that they didn't deserve it, but you gave it. And the mercy is that you gave it even whenever it was there to supply their need. The waitress or waiter. Grace and mercy. What you are giving didn't deserve what you gave, but you gave it anyhow. The mistake is that sometimes we're going to do this later. It's not going to happen. We have to do it now. Hebrews 11.1. Hebrews 11.1 and 2 in the Message Bible. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. Everything that makes life worth living is something that God has given to us. It's, something, it's, it's a firm foundation upon which we live. It isn't that we can figure it all out, but God in his grace and his mercy and his word, we stand upon that foundation. It's our handle on what we can't see. Our handle on what we can't see. Our handle on what we can't see. Faith is our handle on what we can't see. Faith is our handle upon what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguishes our ancestors and sets them above the crowd. By faith we see world called into existence by God's word that we see created by what we don't see. God created what we see from something that didn't exist. He spoke it into existence. The King James Version says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. When you think of faith, do you think of these two words, substance and evidence? Substance and evidence. When we're saying this is our faith based upon substance and evidence. It isn't, I'm not asking you to believe in some, you know. God doesn't ask us to believe in just something. It's based upon substance and evidence. What you speak of by faith that these two words come together. See, faith believes what we pray for exists in God's realm. And God wants to bring it into this realm. Like, God wants wants to bless you. He says that. My faith says, okay, God, I, I want to prepare myself in a way that I will receive this and that you will guide me in wisdom so that I can bless other people with it. 
Hmm. Let's look at Luke 15, the prodigal son. <clears throat> I, I can't breathe. God, help me here. <laughs> um, the prodigal son. The prodigal son, he leaves home. God, give me, he says to his father, I don't want to live here anymore. Give me my inheritance. I'm heading out. I'm getting out of town. He goes out of town, goes to the far country, spends everything he's got on, on riotous living. He lives, parties, parties hardy and ends up with nothing. He's in the pig pen and he says, you know what? My father at home, my, the servants of my father are better off than me in this pig pen. I'm going home. So he goes back to his father. And this is a story about the character of God. This is a story about God as, as being father. And what we have here is the prodigal son, the person, the son who ran off and uh, came back home. What happens when he comes back home? Father sees him coming, runs down the road, hugs him, puts a robe on him, puts a ring on his finger, and, and you know, welcomes him home, kills a fatted calf, throws a great big party, and everybody's celebrating except one. <laughs> the older brother. And the older brother... He's asked to go into the party, and he says, I'm not going. I'm not going in there. Father, I never got a party. I've served you all my life, and I never got a party like this. I never transgressed. I never got a party. I've been good. Look at all that I've done for you all of, the li all of my life, and I never got a party. <laughs> Extravagance. The negative side of it. I, me, and mine. He was so hung up on who he was that he never saw the provision of his father. The father tells him, he says, Son, all that I have is yours. Present tense. Present tense. All that I have is yours. The older brother never saw what his father was giving him. That's, that's this, this part of this whole sermon, this whole idea. We don't really see all that God has given us. We don't really see all of the divine provision that our Heavenly Father is giving to us. Faith believes in the sufficiency of God. And the sufficiency of God is, is more than enough. Ephesians 3.20, and I end with this one. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. To him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Look at that last portion of the text. According to the power that worketh in us. Faith. What are the two words that go with faith? that we don't think of too often? What are they? Substance. Substance and evidence. Now, in this verse, according to the power that worketh in us, there's a substance and an evidence that is at work in our life. According to the power that works in us, if you and I think we can be a Christian, if I think I can be a Christian and do all this stuff on my own, forget it. We can't do it. And, and if we say, well, God doesn't exist, and God, God isn't alive, you know, I, I was listening to NPR this morning, 
going up and there was a scientist and he was talking about going to the moon and how that we need to re re redouble our efforts to get people's imaginations back. You know, the, we, this culture, this, this, this um, age group, the place that people are in, you know, they're re remembering the 60s whenever we wanted to go to the moon and how that, um, that we had the moon project going and the space shuttle and, and all this stuff and people were going to the moon, you know, and, and there was this dream of something beyond what we have. And he says that that's absent from our, from our culture. It's absent from our society. We don't have any dreamers anymore. Well, Christians should be dreamers. Christians should be dreamers of the, of the magnificence of God and the greatness of God, how that he touches our minds and our hearts and inspires us, inspires us to do things that we never thought were possible. That's the God who works in us. God isn't about confining us to some little place in our life that, that we walk around and say, don't touch me, don't say this, don't say that, don't go there. It is a, a liberating free place where the abundance of God wants to, be wants to be flowing into our lives. You know, that, that what we think, what we believe, God is able to inspire our thoughts of what we can become with the talents and abilities that we have, whether it's in our minds, with our, you know, great intellects, should be greatest intellect should be Christians. But Christians are they're saying, well, you have to, you can't you can't have faith and believe in God. Oh, excuse me. Faith is a substance. <laughs> faith is something that is very real. It's tangible. Anyhow, according to the power that works works in us, there is a power at work. Did you know where what the word power where it came from is dunamis? Dunamis and dunamis is dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> haven't heard that word for a long time. Not that way. Dynamite. <laughs> Dunamis is dynamite. What's that? Power, explosive. And so the power of God is this explosiveness that's inside of us. In contrast to human strength, God is the source and supplier of all spiritual through strength through which believers can do all that God asks. God asks us. Okay? Let's look at 320. Now unto him who is able. Okay? We could stop there. God is able. God is able. What is it? I mean, here it is. All, God all-knowing, all-sufficient, all-strength, all-power. God is able. Okay? But let's go on. Now unto him who is able to do all that we ask. So here's God... And he is able to do everything that we ask. Wow, so this is where we're going in our prayers. But the verse goes on. Now unto him who is able to do all that we ask or think. Uh-oh. We're taking on a whole new dimension here. We're taking on a dimension of our thoughts. How many of us have thoughts and dreams? of what we can become, what we can, what we can do, what, what's out there, the possibility. The possibility thinkers should be the Christians, should be believers that have touched into the divine creativity of God in which God, the spark of, of life, where God breathed into us the breath of life and we became a living soul and the life of God is inside of us and God who spoke the worlds into existence, spoke the stars into existence and knows them all by name, he speaks to our hearts and our minds. Wow, 
He's able to do more than we ask or think. Now unto him is able to do abundantly above, extravagantly above all that we ask or think. He is able to do abundantly above. And the last phrase is, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Abundance. Extravagance. How is this going to happen? According to the power that is at work in us. It's God. He's in us. He loves us. The Message Bible for 320 and 321. God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. <laughs> God can do anything you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us, but by working within us. God doesn't get out of us by pushing. He works within. He is the, perf the Spirit of God is the perfect gentleman. Never, never pushy, leading, encouraging. By working within us, by His Spirit, deeply and gently within us. Glory to God in the church. It is not about us, it's for the body of Christ. Glory to God in the Messiah, in Jesus. The glory goes to God, not to me. Glory down to all generations. There are blessings enough for us to pass on to our generations. And glory through all millennia. This will make a difference for eternity. Wow. What God is doing in our lives. What God wants to do in our lives through his word. By faith. There's an evidence. There's a substance to our belief. It's very real. It's based upon a relationship with God who loves me. And he wants to bestow blessings upon my life. But you know, I'm so small-minded, it's hard for me to even imagine what God wants to do in me. And yet he continues to work. But think what he could do in each one of us. In the life, the little guy. What potential? Well, what's, what, the, what is the potential in us? It's not over yet. We've only just begun. This is the first day of the rest of our lives. We've got to get living and allow the living of God, the life of God, to live through us because there's something for us to do and that something is about touching people's lives for the greater good of everyone. And if it comes up, I, me, and my... That's an extravagant of the greedy needy. <laughs> the greedy needy. Those are the ones who have everything and want more. Build the, tear down the barns and build bigger barns. God's not interested in that. He's interested in blessing us to feed five, to feed a hundred, to feed 5,000. How does God feed 5,000? He does it with five loaves and two fishes. How does he feed 5,000? Two loaves, five loaves, two fishes. 
five flat pancakes and two sardines. In God's hands, feeds 5,000 men plus women and children and takes up 12 basketfuls left over. That's God touching our life, the little bit that we have, blessing it and multiplying it more than we can ever imagine. And that's for each one of us. Amen? Stand. <laughs> Thank you, Father, for touching our lives with your word, with the substance of hope, Lord, with the evidence of things that we can't even imagine. It hasn't even entered into our hearts or minds the things which you have prepared for us. And that's not just an eternity. Lord, that's our tomorrow. And whenever problems come to us disguised as difficulties, God, let us see through them. Let us see beyond them. Let us see the hand of God taking us and leading us in our thoughts, in our doings, in our givings, and how that you are making a difference in us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving our soul. And God giving us an abundance. Abundance is, is far beyond we could ever imagine. And you're at work within us. Bless us now, Lord, that we might be blessings. Amen? Amen. Say it again. Amen? Amen. God bless you. <laughs>